Welcome to UX Banter Podcast Season 2. I am your host Dushyant Kanungo. Here, I speak with industry leaders about their journey in design and know more about what inspires them to become the best in the industry. This podcast is presented by Galaxy UX Studio and powered by Galaxy Weblinks, an Inc 5000 organization. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the UX Panther podcast. This is our season 2 and I am your host Dushyant Kanungo. And for the guest of today's episode is someone who knows how to make design happen. The magic of design by mixing the right amount of creativity with technology to design usable solutions. He's a skilled designer, strategic thinker and equally efficient technology guru. Without daring to begin listing out the countless skills that he possesses, Please welcome the director of design at Single Stone, Kevin Tusky. Wow, Hi, Kevin. Hi. <laughs> What an intro. So, how are you today? Everything I'm okay? I'm doing great. Good? How are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing very well, thank you. And again, compliments on the wall behind you. That <laughs> anybody who is watching this podcast on YouTube or in the video format, they would understand that uh, what goes on into a UXS life. Oh yeah, I'm totally um, committed to the whiteboard lifestyle. um which is we bought a couple buckets of the whiteboard paint and one of my not all the walls but one of the walls in my home office um which was great because when the pandemic hit i was prepared but one of the walls uh is covered in whiteboard paint which surprise takes a surprising number of coats it was something like 8 or 10 coats like it was <laughs> I, we went cheap on the paint and that meant more coats and so if i had to do it again i'd spend more money and do less coats but It's I think I think that is ideal in today's day and time that you must have some sort of whiteboard at home because we have oh, also yeah, got yes. installations because from the creative point of view you always need that sort of a debate and discussion going on there's something in your mind it has to be just written down right there and then um, yes. as a list maybe that these are the things that we are going to do yeah, so much um, of teamwork is essentially exposing your own bias and assumptions and clarifying those like they're they're wrong so the the all these tools are ways to kind of get out of your own head and expose what you're thinking and then everyone can hash it out and align and then and then iterate based on that so like there's so many things that i use are sort of silly childish things if you think about what sticky notes are these colorful square things with <laughs> adhesive on the back big thick markers i mean i've got a bunch of whiteboard markers nearby and scissors and things like that they're all techniques to just get out of our own head and expose what we're thinking so true so i mean just like the last time when we spoke i mean we just started the conversation just off the bat uh, but for our <laughs> listeners <laughs> yeah this is the part of the banter that i really love that when you know two people click and then the conversation just flows so my first question is that there has been a journey a path that you must have taken to get here so what was those decisions to come into design and how was your journey like it was long and twisty i like i think most ux people because it's such a a fairly new absolutely absolutely focus. everybody everybody comes from you know such a bendy road that it is really hard to explain but still i don't even <laughs> know what the main line like what is the the normal i don't even know what that is when it comes to ux to be honest it's so varied that i don't think there really is even like i think even the people who are the most similar are a very small fraction because it's so varied so my own actually was did a lot of art and drawing and painting in high school and didn't um wasn't necessarily sure that was the most practical thing to to get a career in um and so instead of going to art school at first I actually went by uh, got an economics degree from the University of Virginia um but before that I was pre-med at UVA so <laughs> oh nice wow wow talk wow. about yeah I've, I've had quite to economics a, to design that that's wonderful 
<laughs> so it was pre-med, then it became economics, but I still minored in art, like I couldn't give it up. And then I was a banker for a couple of years while I was also going to get another undergraduate degree in design from a local university, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU. And I made the commitment and, and left banking, went all into, this was graphic design though. This is sort of probably early days of what would be considered UX. And then Do you think uh, the journey was about finding yourself then actually you know, putting design as the last option. I mean, from early beginnings in your career or in the childhood, you must have the idea that that creative inkling, the uh, the eagerness to solve a problem must, you know, come from somewhere. It did, but it seemed like a risky route to go for a career path. Like, I mean, we're uh, within America, there's so much culture around design and creativity in terms of like movies and TV shows and plays and cartoons and all these things. But there was no one in my life who made a living with creativity. So it's sort of so disconnected that I thought, well, let me get this kind of business degree to fall back on. But then it was sort of like, I don't really care how successful I am. I want to do this creativity thing because I want to have a certain level of self-satisfaction. Um, and then honestly, that's kind of where graphic design, and I think and even further with that user experience design, this idea of like, you actually don't have to get rid of this kind of, um, personal motivation of creativity because you can also help with the world's problems and help solve problems for people, both large and small, um, and, and combine those things together. And that's what I think modern user experience is when, when done well. It's, it's both solving a puzzle. So there's a sort of like selfishness of, of your own sort of like doing the things that you want to personally do, but then also you tend to be good at the things that you want to do anyway, and that hopefully will benefit others well beyond you. How long has it been in, in the career? Man, so like the switch to creativity was like, like to, to graphic design was like 2003, 2004. But UX, that was a whole switch in of itself because I was skeptical of what UX was. I thought people who did UX were I people mean, who that, um, that's, weren't that's good at true. design. <laughs> that's true. Even I started where something called Necromedia Flash was something that actually oh, occurred to me. I was totally there. I was like, <laughs> yes, that's so what imagining... I, I fell in love with it. Yeah, so coming to just digital design domain, I mean, uh, wearing many hats that there used to be a designation called web designer, but then yep. they thought, no, it's not just web anymore. They have app as well. So they right, converted right. it to UI design. And then they said, no, we need to add theory to it. And that's become UX design. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, it's understandable that organizations still keep different designations to define things as they go. Just yesterday, there's an intern. We have this uh, a class of interns at Singleton with across all different kind of like disciplines, everything from data to software engineering to design. And this was a non-designer asking about UX. And whenever someone asks me about UX, I want to tell them, the world defines UX differently based on who you're talking to. So here's my own definition and other people define it this way because it's not, we haven't really settled in on what that really is. Hmm. Uh, the, the UX versus UI debates aside on Twitter, which is like, oh my God, I'm so <laughs> done with that debate. Um, <laughs> but it, it is important to know that it can be lots of different disciplines all in one umbrella, which is what we tend to do at Singlestone. You know, sure. Everything from facilitating workshops to help polishing a built UI hand in hand with a front end developer and everything in between. But True. sometimes people say UX and, and after talking with them, what they really mean is research. And that's fine. Um, but we don't have the, uh, <laughs> we don't have the luxury of having sort of like discrete specialists in each of these things. And we so doesn't it become the core, 
So from, from leader's point of view, I mean, we yeah. will talk about your leadership style as well in a yeah. minute, but yeah. isn't that fall under the responsibility of a UXer to make sure that the education or the way um, the entire profession is perceived, the word here is evangelism, that you yes. Know, yes. lots of people put that designation that I'm a UX evangelist. Yes. So, you know, not just practicing it, but also educating people about what the thing is and then the perception should should change about it i see that there is a lot of changes which are happening but how much do you think that energy goes into explaining people what it is yeah i think i think in certain ways ux is doing a good job meaning it seems like there are more of us than there were five ten years ago so that's True. that's a metric of success True. Um, i think that we're also more influential than we have been in the past we used to sort of be downstream cosmetic people focused on aesthetics. I and mean, now I think we are often, you, you still need to concern yourself with that, but then also many other more upstream things like what is what is the whole scope of the whole thing? Um, even if it's a decision to not build a piece of software, right? The answer isn't always software. Um, but I also think that we're not doing like in terms of an industry, not doing a terrific job. I mean, if you think about what UX is, it is the letter U and the letter X. Um, the letter X is not the first letter of the word experience. <laughs> So the UX, you know, of the term UX is not good. <laughs> so no. I've, I mean, I use no, the bad term, user experience to begin with. Bad user experience, the name itself, right? So, I mean, I, I some, it, depending on the audience, I will say experience designer, product designer, UX, UX designer, UI, UX designer. So I, I have all these terms at my disposal, given what I assume to be the kind of comprehension of the person I'm talking to. Like if, if I'm not in the industry, I don't think I would even say, you know, like when I'm at like a, you know, at a party, a social gathering, I talk about what I do. I talk about the things that I think that they'll know that they like, I design apps, right? People kind of know apps. And then I have to get an idea of what software is kind of a big, scary term to some people. So this thing has happened in India recently because the 4G and very cheap internet. Yeah. I think we have the cheapest internet in the world. Nice. I love that. <laughs> people in the villages, they are now on WhatsApp and Facebook. And whenever they come and ask, like, what do you do? I said, you use WhatsApp? See, yeah, I, I make yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. I mean, that is the best explanation you can actually give to people who have no idea about what goes on into software or the industry or the design. So the easiest it thing- grounds them somewhere. And then if they don't care, they won't ask a follow-up question. But if they do care, they're like, oh, there's a hook. that They're more likely to say like, oh, I know that. Like, let me ask you this thing. Or do you, do you mean this instead of that? Like, so, I mean- my parents probably think I just work on computers, but, <laughs> but people who've grown up with the internet tend to know some of these nuances that, that people who are sort of digital natives. Understand. Yeah, my, my parents have no idea either that they have no clue that what, how, what, what do I do for a living? But that's yeah. when uh, Tim Berners-Lee, the uh, inventor of the internet, um, I saw one of the, I think it was a gag that was done with children that how to you know teach them. And then he was there and he was saying that, and the designation was written, Tim Berners-Lee, web developer. That was it. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> so I think just being on the, the core skill set, then when he said he's a web developer, and the kids go to ask the guy who created YouTube that, okay, I made YouTube. And the question was, did you create the Charlie Bit My Finger video? Because <laughs> <laughs> then they're both in the same place, right? Like, yeah. who makes what? Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I heard um, there was, I heard that Stephen King was testifying in court or something like the other day, and he introduced himself as freelance writer. 
Like, <laughs> that's kind of what he does. He's, he's a writer. <laughs> yeah, so you can either, you know, hype them, the the mother right. of the dragons and all that, or this is Jon Snow. So yes. <laughs> either way, yes. it actually works. But the yep. truth is that in the end, if we uh, go down to our core skill set, in the end, yeah. if we are going to a big conference and just introduce ourselves as I am a designer, that should be sufficient because rather than putting in all the hype names that I do this there <laughs> and that there, just think you are a designer and stay true to that singular noun associated with your name. Yeah. I think that should uh, cover them, brother. Yeah, today okay. it's apps and software, right? That's the, the in vogue, marketable, lots of money being invested there. But there's probably a world in the future where it's a different medium. And I would think that most of the the core skills that I think that I have and I try to grow on others are portable to whether it's like holograms or augmented reality and virtual reality, like, or something we haven't even thought of yet. Like, even if it's sort of like service level design, I mean, these things apply no matter what, I, I think. And, and I think that's a better way at tackling um, get, getting established in the industry versus I'm so good with Figma. And, and that's important today. Goodness, yeah. Um, but you know, if you are terrific in in vision, it's becoming an obsolete skill. So, <laughs> True. Um, so again, the thing is that, like, I think it was I read it somewhere. I think T. S. Eliot uh, said it that the when you have to hang a hat on a hanger, so the hat is important. Hanger isn't that you can hang your hat on any hanger that uh, comes in front of you. Uh -huh. So you need to ensure that you know the, your ideas are important. It doesn't matter what tool you're using. If you have to write something, uh, it's a pencil or a pen or a chalk or a marker, it doesn't matter. Yes. Your thoughts should be translated. And that is the key um, when it comes to tools. That is my opinion, that it doesn't matter. My opinion too, other people are more kind of like obsessed with tools and that's fine. Like, but to me, um, because some of the tools flame out fairly early, I, I tend to wait a little bit until I, I understand that they have resonance in the market and then i do all the investment because it's a lot of work you, you end up having yeah. to trade off a lot of decisions to learn a new tool and not another tool or get better in the tools that you already know so i'm just not so quick to make that call on every new tool that, that comes out or figma extension but but that has its own downside right maybe sometimes i wait too long sure. that kind of thing so i mean in our lifetime we have well i'm saying that as if we are very old and uh, ancient but the thing is that as i said the macromedia flash journey yeah yeah and there was something called photo express that used to be a tool in the beginning and i worked on director as well macromedia director there used to yes. be another um script based tool that um was there which created cbt's the 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 interactions oh, yeah, yeah. that they came oh. on the on the CDs that you buy a magazine, it would come with a CD, and then yes. in that desk you have this entire interaction created. Yes. And those were, those you know, days. the days pre-internet that you know, if I can't access the internet, I would go and buy the desk. And I've spent I have so much time in bookstores, you know. Gosh, it, your 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 um, software textbook wasn't worth anything unless it came with a CD-ROM. True. That was the standard. So many books, my goodness, like so much money wasted. Like, I think I had two director books. I never learned director, but I, I was always intending to learn it. And then it died before I ended up learning. And I was, so uh, in India, we did this trick where uh, we would go to the bookstores after uh, the deadline is passed. As in, if you go there and do not buy the current month's magazine, but ask for the previous month. So what they, they uh, used to do is that they returned the magazines, but they yep. kept the discs. So you would buy the disc a lot cheaper than the cost of the actual uh -huh. book. So uh -huh. if the book was say 100 rupees, the disc would be 25. So you get those discs. Uh -huh. So yes. 
if you get like four of them, you are set for the like two weeks at least. Uh -huh. yes, um, yes. Wallpapers <laughs> and screensavers and all that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the game yes, yes. demos. And in one of those discs, I found Macromedia Flash to begin with. The, the demo. authoring tool, like you could to wow. That was that's a that was like a thousand dollar item back in the day. I can't remember how much it was. No, it, it was cheap. it was not thousand dollars. It was a demo version, but it was it came okay, in but for still, free. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I just went to the tutorial and see that how it actually works. And it turns out yeah, that it could yeah. animate things and just blew my mind. And that's how I you know came here. Or yes, you know. yes. <laughs> I love hearing the hustle of how you essentially had had to break in. Like we all have a version of that. Like I remember showing a friend of mine in college and their dorm. It wasn't my dorm room. I went to my website, like the university sort of gave you a web domain and most no one used it in the days, but, but some people did, I, I did. And, I, and it had a bouncing ball that I had made in Flash. And I thought it was just like the most exciting thing because it was their computer, not mine. So there was the internet working and it was like an eight frame animation with some squash and stretch and momentum. The person sort of rolled their eyes, they weren't impressed. But, but, but it was, a sport. <laughs> I could understand sort of like all the implications of some of this technology where it was going. And that's what kind of got me geeked. Cool. Well, I am really enjoying this banter, and I think we can go on for hours just talking about the nostalgia and things. Yeah, and yeah. one thing which I really want our audience to know is that when we spoke together and earlier with uh, you know the discussion that me and Kevin had, one thing that was just clicked that we are in the similar profile, similar positions. Yeah. We the work we do is the day to day activities are the same. So you know, getting started with the conversation was. Uh, so easy that getting lost there is even easier. <laughs> so I'm bringing the conversation back to my uh, rapid fire questions before we go. Yeah, yeah reel it in, reel it in. I've been talking for hours. Just All right. So I need to shuffle the deck so that oh, I okay. don't know which order these questions are coming in. Your last Google search. Oh my God. I'm going to guess, but so I've been tinkering around with Swift UI and I can't figure out this new thing in one of the different releases of the software. So it was probably something related to some new programmatic thing that I copied and pasted from my Xcode instance. So <laughs> even I can't escape design even my free time. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to build a watch app um, that this is a whole other tangent to Sean, but essentially to, to uh, reduce the number of injuries and deaths on waterways like rivers. So we have a river that goes through the James River, um, which is in Richmond. It goes actually through the state, actually through many states within the United States. And every so often um, people are killed on the river because they don't get out off the river before these kind of waterfall dams happen and they end up dying. And so anyway, the whole point of this app is to sort of uh, like, before you go into the water and like tell the app when you, where your takeout point is. And it would sort of tell you how much time you have yeah, how much distance you have left and, and warn you when you're getting exceedingly close to the last takeout before a hazard. So anyway, that's a total tangent, but it's, it's a good thing that you just mentioned because in India, we are in monsoon season right now and oh, flash floods are something that, which are, you know, just they happen by the minute and mm -hmm. every year uh, nearby to where we are based at, we get to hear bad news, say yeah. five or six times every year. And that is, you know, really heartbreaking, but yeah. you know, that idea, uh, we need to explore it more. So we'll come back to it. So next question, yeah. fast yes. food or fine dining? Super fast food, like not into the McDonald's and the Taco Bell. So I guess I'd say fine dining, but like just up from fast food is kind of my jam, like bar food. So sometimes the, the fine food is just, the portions are too small and I don't know what I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> so bar food, like uh, cheesy nachos? Yeah, 
uh, hamburgers, a good beer, French fries, or whatever kind of cheese you want to pour on them, that kind of thing? Uh, <laughs> the next question here, if you can move anywhere on earth, where would you go? Someone with a, a, a beach, but not too crowded <laughs> and good enough internet to do my job. Um, <laughs> that's not an exciting answer, but, um, it is actually, you even think about it. Uh, well, every time can... I find a beach, then it every, like there's this wonderful spot in, in Virginia that we found, but every year it gets a little bit more crowded and it's close to the breaking point of too crowded. And now we need to look somewhere else. So what about Eastern California? I mean, uh, from San Jose, to California. Huh? Yeah, I've never been there. So I, mean, I hear it's great. Oh, you should. But... You should. I think I think it's a wonderful drive. If you take the car from San Jose to Santa Cruz, yeah. you see multiple beaches on the way oh, and wow. then okay. you get, you know, all the things uh, at your disposal. That is one, one of the most beautiful drives that you can be on. Man, I'm doing it. Okay. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to do it. I think the only reason I would say something like, I do want to be close to family, you know, so there's that I'm actually now I'm taking this hypothetical question. I'm, I'm spoiling with pragmatism. Um, <laughs> so take family with you. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Good. Each one. Everybody has a cottage. I like it. <laughs> so your least favorite subject when you were in school or college now, because you've been oh. studying so many things. Uh, there's yeah. art, there's <laughs> treatment, there is economics. So you can you just have a big bucket to pick from. I'm really bad at geography. I just, it just never clicked. I'm trying to think of something else that I really didn't enjoy. I mean, some aspects of history, I just, it, it didn't connect with me. Um, but geography is definitely, like, I'm horrible with directions even today. I'm like, and it, <laughs> thankfully, like, it's kind of a solved problem. Like, I don't need to know. I just hand over the wheel to the computer and say, where do I need to go? I do the same thing when I'm flying. Like, I just, I don't even really know what city necessarily or how to get there or where it is in the state. I just know the terminal to get to and then where the hotel is. And it's, it, I mean, that's horrible when, when any of your plans go awry, then you're kind of scrambling. Mm. Um, there was a time when I actually almost flew to the wrong Springfield in the United States that was in one state versus <laughs> the other state. So it talked about that this guy was uh, going from, um, uh, Stockholm to I think oh, yes. they were planning to go to uh, somewhere in Australia and, and he went to the wrong country or something yeah, right? yeah he went to Canada and then yes, he, yes. Thought, <laughs> yes. he thought that he was getting out to the sun and the sand and the beach and all that and he ended up in really windy and snowy uh, airport I mean he got out of the plane before he realized that he got wrong. out of the airport, then he realized that he actually uh, got to a completely different country than he was trying to go to. <laughs> I haven't done that. I've done close to that, but not quite that. All right. Books or movies? I love movies. I, love, I, love, I, love, I mean, I like books too, but the reason I love movies is I always forget all the things I like about movies until I'm watching it. Like you forget that there's someone who usually composed a whole score, that there's a sound design team, that there's a main title sequence, that there's credits. You know, and then there's wonderful sound effects and sort of like, like, I, I never forget that there's going to be acting and a script and a plot and all of that. But there's so many things I always forget. And I'm in the movies. It's like, oh, I love the immersion of it all. Like, yeah. it's a shared experience too, whereas books has to be like, did we both? Very, very, very personal experience. Books are very personal unless you, you know, sit down and discuss about it. And movies are like, so. you know, everybody is there. My father does it, that whenever he's watching a film, rather than everything which is going in front in focus, he looks at what is happening at the back. Uh, oh, where this is this was shot how high is the sun 
and uh-huh. then he would tell me that look at the shadows they are nowhere you know they are not spreading out this is high noon they are doing it and uh-huh. it must be so hot and then that's yeah. when you realize that how much work has actually gone into the the, the entire stuff so yeah, yes, yes. And, to make sure that the sun is in the right position given like there's a script supervisor who helped maintain that you know illusion and all that kind of stuff so okay um and what's your guilty pleasure oh gosh Ice cream or cereal? I'm a, I, I eat cereal at all hours of the day. <laughs> Have you tried dessert. cereal with ice cream? I've never tried it. I've never tried it. But that makes a whole lot of sense. Basically, it's toppings on the cereal. I mean, on the ice cream, like cereal, dump it on the ice cream. That's yeah, I mean, just see if you take a ball, pour some cereal, and yeah. then milk. Yeah. Well, why, right? you don't really need milk at that point. You got the like, but I'm, I've never even thought and of then this. A I scoop guess, of ice cream. Yeah, that's. I need to try that. I've heard of people who dump like peanut butter into whatever like pint of ice cream yeah. they have, and that's genius. But this has opened up a whole new world to me. <laughs> yeah. Let's, we, we are definitely going to give it a shot and see how it yes, works. Yes, I will. Sure. Okay. So if you win $10 million tomorrow, what is the first thing that you're going to buy? I'd probably buy, uh, this back to the, mm, I want to do that. No, I'd buy, probably buy a truck. So... <laughs> Um, trucks are really expensive, but there's lots of things that I can do with the truck instead of having to borrow it from a relative. Like maybe I'd do more house repairs if I bought a truck and I'd, I'd do more exciting things. Like with, we have a bunch of kayaks and we go boating all the time and, and we can transport our mountain bikes. So like, okay. Bigger than that, bigger than that <laughs> um, maybe like a theme park, you know, like a water park. That would be sweet. Like just for me. And, and I get to dictate who comes and goes. That would be cool. Okay, buying the Neverland wrench. I think that is one thing that can be done <laughs> yeah. with that. Okay, so you are a go out person or a stay in person? Go out, go out. Yeah, which is which has been hard during the pandemic because it's going out is dangerous, but now it's loosening up. And I, and I find myself, it's taking me a while to thaw out and be comfortable with going out. I'm, but yeah, I wasn't that and, way before. And all the bar food is out there. Yeah, yeah, I can't get home. there. <laughs> That's true. Okay, and finally, sunrise or sunset? I hardly ever see the sunrise because I'm just sleeping in. Um, we have a really nice sunset view at our own house. So I'd say sunset. So it's a little, always a little bittersweet because you know the the day is ending. So I guess I'd say sunset. As much as I like to see sunrises, uh, never when do you see, see the sunrise? Though, are you waking up that early? No, I like them, but never get to see them yes that's, me too me too I, I wish i was a sunrise person but alas i am not i think that's when you have to be an australian to do so because ah. they start the day like crazy early say uh, they wake up like 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning and ah. they go on jogging at like 5 the work starts at 7 and the lunch is like 10 30 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock everybody just goes home uh, that's sydney that i can i'm t- telling you about okay i mean i can give that a try i guess that would take some getting used to <laughs> True. Coming back, I think I'm going to be asking the real question here. (laughs) So being the director of design brings us with a great deal of responsibilities. So if I have to ask, how would you describe your leadership style? Uh, Let's see. I'd like to think that I lead by example. um, And then I'm a consensus builder versus command and control. Maybe everyone would say that these days, but um, I've learned a lot from people I've worked for as bosses and essentially learned what not to do. <laughs> I've collected a lots of things to not do and avoid. And, and it's more so what to do than not to do. Um, I've also played sports for a while growing up, like at least through high school. So I, I, I see myself as a coach 
um, not like a manager, but actually I want to help everyone on the team achieve as much as their, their potential as soon as possible. Um, so what that means sometimes is pushing people a little beyond what they would choose to do without being asked, like just a, like extend just a little bit out of their comfort zone. Um, if I'm confident that they can deliver on that. And then when they do, push them a little bit more. Like to, to me, that's a way to, to have them grow. There's so many parts of design, which are not just kind of going into a cave and sitting at your laptop and banging out a couple of design comps. I, you know, there's some of that involved too, but it's involves like talking to people and sort of persuading people to your vantage point and understanding all the different parts that touch a system um, and you be able to, to, to form an opinion and state it confidently and into a very senior audience sometimes. And even there's like, social aspects of the job that I think are helpful, whether it's like, you know, sometimes grabbing coffee with someone or, um, you know, going out to lunch with someone, whether it's someone on my team or someone beyond, like you actually find out really good information there. And it's, it's a great way to get past some of the, the nonsense when you're just in the office. Um, yeah, but so in terms of like a leader of the design team, I'd like to have them kind of grow as fast as possible and expose them to opportunities and not pigeonhole them. Um, and actually, the, you know, kind of build and grow people to be my replacement or even something better than me. It's kind of my, Fallbacks my... are essential whenever you're designing, say, you know, creating a design op uh, to put into practice, even though everything is on a conveyor belt, so to say, in a factory pattern, things are working. So templates are there and things are automated a lot so that the process is in place. So you, everybody knows what to what, what would happen after what you're doing. But in the end, there has to be the trust factor. Uh, and totally, yes. challenging people, uh, both the things have to be uh, considered. Um, so I agree with what you just said. Um, so as we know, the design management and uh, yeah. problem solving are interconnected. Um, how do you employ the best suited methods for solving the problem and navigate the challenges uh, that come with it? Yeah, so it's, it's, there's a lot involved. There was a time when I was a UX designer on a team and reported to someone else. And what I was finding is that because I'm a, I work at a consulting company, um, you know, we have contracts that come in and we work for a period of time with them and then they go away. So it's this kind of churn that's similar to working at an advertising agency, right? It's a similar kind of model, which is quite different than most of what I hear talked about, the scenarios when I, on kind of like design Twitter or social media. It assumes that you work for the company most of the time um, or you're a freelancer. And so there's not a lot of people kind of vocalizing my experience and it sounds similar to your experience. I wanted to be, I, I thought that the problem had been too tightly constrained by the time it, it got onto my radar at that point of being in that role. So I was actually kind of advocating to be in a leadership role and then also be more influential in the sales process. There's a lot of design that happens in the sales process at a consulting company. True. <laughs> you, keep, you have to be, you know, thinking on your feet. Somebody uh, that totally. I was talking to here who run their own design studio here, they said that only accounting is something that is non-essential for a UX person. Everything else, sales, marketing, designing itself, managing the client, you know, mm -hmm. everything has to be done by the UXer themselves because if you're writing a blog post or a social media post unless you know what you're talking about you know everybody has to know what ux is otherwise it is it is pointless that's right yeah so so like and, and even if it doesn't relate to exactly like the, the the look and feel of the software but sometimes sort of like because we tend to at singlestone build a lot of software um that's one of the things we do along with cloud and and data and, and devops and, and uh client consulting but 
when in the contract in these proposals, there tends to be a little bit of a scope defined what's in there. Now we like to keep it as broad as possible because we haven't even begun to do something like discovery before we even do the implementation of the bill. But if I'm thinking like a client who's deciding to sign a contract or not, you do kind of want to know some sense of what you're going to get, or at least the outcome that that thing will produce. So my goal is to understand the context as much as possible, just in the sales process, keep it deliberately as undefined as work, as people are comfortable with. So that the discovery can actually be true discovery. And we haven't already been like, you know, handcuffed to do, we're all going to build this type of software. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that way, when you, you understand what the problem is that you're trying to solve and it's stated in a kind of like very kind of, I wouldn't say vague way, but I'd say like not, overly prescriptive, you shouldn't bake a solution into the problem statement. That frees up so many different options that you can explore and discuss the trade-offs, both in terms of how much technical effort will be involved and what the business outcome will be. And then will users desire to use this system and be willing to adopt it? There's trade-offs galore. And so I like to kind of shape what the proposal is to, because I can't assume that I'm going to be on the discovery project, but whoever is, um, has a good combination of kind of freedom to explore, um, but then also making sure that what they do produce is it affects the outcome of eventually the client is looking to produce an outcome. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And th this is where the entire uh, frustration from the clients and can be um, observed that you know they have to explain the problem first when they are you know talking the first time to somebody yep. from sales, yep. then somebody who is doing the quotation and talking to them, the conversation is repeated. And then somebody who is the discovering coming back and asking the one question they have already answered like three times. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been through the cycle before. So yes, it's the, the telephone game. And then honestly, I mean, so I, another thing that I do, Deshant, is I have taught design thinking, a design thinking course at VCU uh, part-time on top of the, my gig mm -hmm. at Singlestone. And we, we've also taught workshops to clients. Um, and then we've also done public workshops. And the, the first part of that framework is defining the problem. Now, people think that they're pretty good at defining the problem, but we basically prove that they're not so great at it. And it's something I continue nope. to work on, um, which is it's hard to find. Eventually, what you want is like a nice emotional hook, short, snappy sentence that doesn't prescribe and has no jargon in it or abbreviations. And sometimes, so many times when clients come to us, it's, it's, it's riddled with a lot of institutionalized knowledge and, and sort of like preconceptions that I, that are bad. <laughs> I guess that's it. Really hard to actually decipher. Some people would know everything that this is the solution I want. Just translate. Some people have no idea what happens in the software. And <laughs> that'd be like, do you need a password recovery feature? Yeah, put it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it helps. Like, like, sometimes the client is exactly right. Even after discovery, it we, turns out that we have validated their initial instincts. Like, and that's a, a thing I've learned to trust over my kind of like development as a, as a designer is your instincts are usually like, li like, listen to them. Don't just sort of dispel them. I know there's this idea that's kind of beaten into me after going through art school, which is to make lots of variations. Like don't, don't curate and edit too early. Just make a lot of things. Like just don't govern yourself. Don't check yourself. Just kind of get it all out and just keep going. And then take a deep breath and review what you've made um this, and the yeah. same thing goes when 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 dealing with with clients but yet there's some instincts that are are good and in, in, in the fast-paced environment that you and i are in with client consulting sometimes that time pressure means that you 
you do have to compromise and you have to kind of maybe go with your first or second option and it's good enough and go. It's, you know, this this minimal viable product lifestyle, you know, lots of compromises. Even, even then, I mean, see, the one uh, example that I can actually give you, which is I, I've never shared with um, any fellow designer in the community huh? before, yeah. but just, just hear me out. So this happened that, so one requirement came up, we uh, read the requirement, everything was understood. And we knew straight up that it's a marketplace that we are going mm -hmm. to create. Okay. It doesn't matter what you're selling. It's a marketplace. Multiple people can sell, multiple people can buy. And that's how mm -hmm. it works. It doesn't matter what, what you're selling. You may yeah. be selling um, fast food or if you want to sell furniture or if you're selling NFTs, it doesn't matter what mm -hmm. is being sold here. So we have this week-long workshops plan. And the first meeting that I go to, I say, okay, so what we are building is essentially a marketplace. And the guy that I was talking to, he just blasted me that I think this is going to be best waste of my time because you don't understand my vision. I am here to change the world. And you are just trivializing it by saying that yes. it's a marketplace. And then we, I said, okay, I may be wrong. And then we do workshops day after day after day. And on the day five, I said, okay, so we need a marketplace. And he said, yes. <laughs> I mean, I just good for you for being humble. Like, there's a certain humility that goes into design. Like, trust your instincts, but be open to feedback. It's this idea of like comfortable with getting feedback from people. Like, you are open to the fact that maybe he has some sort of paradigm in his mind that I haven't thought of yet. That maybe it's not just a marketplace, which a marketplace can change the world too. I mean, the app yeah, store does how so, much billions of dollars and for Apple. So, so this is this is the difference between so some people just sell the idea to themselves and they yeah. want to be uh, hyped up by it. So you have to be really hyped up with them that yes, we are going to change the world, and uh, this is the you know the next best thing since sliced bread or sliced yogurt i mean whichever way you want to uh, take it all right so about there, the there makes me think of a quote that based on what you're saying i i hope i'm going to appropriately uh credit the right person i think noah bombach said this he is a uh film director and script writer um i think he's an american and he said creativity has two parts or i'd say making something creative involves two parts and i i put software into this bucket he said it's like throwing a spear into the woods. The first step is the idea. You throw the spear into the woods. Mm -hmm. And the second step is to go find the spear. Meaning you, like the idea isn't, what I just explained about an app idea, that's, some people think that's most of the work, most of the rare work, by the way, but there's a whole lot of other work to, to deliver the vision that someone has explained and also work through all the obstacles and hitches along the way as you try to build that thing and, and, and ship it, right? And have it resonate with customers. Like both parts are important, I think, Sometimes the people who emphasize one or the other are overlooking the importance of the other part. So this is very profound thing that you know came out of this discussion, and I think we should <laughs> definitely put it as as a quote as we are going into the promotional uh, material for this discussion. Uh, okay, so about productivity, about making life easier, about creating solutions. So I hear that um, Singlestone recently have come up with a good solution for solving all our troubles away. And oh yes, this will fix everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> fix it, everything. It solve everything. But I think it will it will help both our designers and of our developers, not just within Singlestone, but maybe all over the world. So it, it actually came up because of a um, a frustrating conversation I had with one of our tech leads. So a former colleague of mine named Jay Hogan, he and I were working on a project together. The scope of the project was to do discovery and, not, and just that. We actually weren't necessarily gonna be building 
um, what we had prototyped in the discovery phase. So discovery is, is like most discoveries. I don't know if that's the term that, that most people use, but it's essentially kind of um, talking to customers and observing them, interviewing them, talking to stakeholders, understanding the, how the process works today on a certain thing, and then maybe making recommendations of how the process should be different. It's also a technical assessment of how we're actually going to deliver some of the solutions we're considering. So there's a, a technical architecture kind of status quo, and then we try to figure out ways that it might work in the, in the future. And then we start making design mockups based on a lot of that information about um, the way some of the software could work. So as a part of this process, I was involved as the designer, Jay was the tech lead. There were other people involved in the project too. One of the screens in my mockup showed a select, a select box. Uh -huh. And it was a prototype. So when you clicked it, then you saw the select options. And Jay kind of flipped out. And he flipped out because what I had done is I had shown a custom unique design of what those select options look like when you click the box to open up and show those options. And he's like, he basically said like, I can't, I can't take it. <laughs> um, we can't custom design every little nook and cranny of, of, of an experience. Well, no. we could. But do you understand the cost and timing implications of, of such a choice? And so I, all I had done is essentially, I thought I was just kind of being consistent with some of the designs leading up to that because a custom design was within the scope of us likely to do. Anyway, that was the, just the spark that led to a lot of decisions, meaning why aren't we just using the right HTML component for the right UI element? Number two, on, because I'm a consultant and I work with different clients, you know, a couple times during the year, the amount of times I've had to finesse a button element and a text input button, and, and so many of these foundational UI elements that, that are really hard, by the way, uh, very hard to make both beautiful and accessible and simple to build. It's hard. I get it. Um, especially with, like, I guess I'd say heightened um, attention to accessibility. Uh, many of the frameworks that are household names, at least if you're a front developer, are not terrifically accessible. There's a lot of bloated so, code. Wait, 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 wait. Just to just to uh, give the context that we are talking about an open I'm talking about design system, design yes, system from Tinglestone, <laughs> which is called yes. Sugar. And yes. uh, you can find the link in the description and on the screen here um, if you want to try it out. And we, we had just listened to the origin story of how it actually came <laughs> yeah. to be. Uh, <laughs> a lengthy preamble of, of, a, of a, the sugar design system um, that is for building beautiful web experiences that are fully accessible by default and do it quickly. Um, so it's going to be a growing... It, so this is not just a, a bunch of Figma files. This is both that and the code base in order to make that as simple as installing sugar. And if you like our defaults, you just um, use the proper utility classes and everything works terrific. Um, but there are easy ways to kind of jump off of those kind of opinions and use something like Tailwind CSS to make kind of deviations. You can also choose different accent colors and then you can even do your own custom CSS on top of it. Um, Amazing. You know, that's a little bit of the, the, Amazing. For the so that is, I think that is, you know, we are definitely going to try it out. And if it is open source, then obviously a lot of uh, listeners should, you know, download it and give it a shot. I mean, yes. these are the things which are, you know, easily, uh, you know, not, not to come by. And it, since it is open source, you can contribute yep. and see that if you can make a positive contribution towards the design community. Yes, and we're looking for contributors because there's so many UI components that you kind of need in a, in a sophisticated design system. It's not just six, it's more like 60. So uh, uh, we'll be building and I'm, we would love to have collaborators help us build those components. 
And talking about collaborators, I hear that the Signal Stone is still hiring or growing the team as well. Yes, that's right. So we're actively looking for to grow the, the design team. So we're looking for user experience design candidates, both very junior or very senior. So everything in between, we, we kind of have a range of expertise and seniority on our team. And so if you're interested, um, you can email me at uh, ktusky at singlestoneconsulting.com, or you just pop over to the Singlestone website and go to careers and you'll see the job listing there. So uh, the website is singlestoneconsulting.com. Thank you very much for offering that those positions. And definitely, I think that you get a lot of applications to go with that. But I think sugar is something that I'm looking forward to personally as well. All right. With that, I would like to ask you if there is one advice that you would like to give to the new designers who are walking or starting this career, because you come from a very different career path. Some people yeah. come from psychology background. Some people are coming in uh, from art schools or design schools directly. Um, and after COVID, I think it has happened that a lot of people are switching to UX because the yes, thing is, yes. the, it's an in-demand growing career option. So what is your advice to people who are just starting out? So first of all, I'd say sort of like um, as much as you can, silent your imposter syndrome impulse. I still have imposter syndrome all the time. And it's probably a, a, a little bit of a healthy thing, but too much of it is not productive. So you know, we all come up from a variety of backgrounds. So essentially, don't be scared to apply for positions um, is, is one bit of advice. Um, even if you feel like it's beyond what you yeah, think true, you are. Obviously, paper, yeah, great. great. I mean, sometimes we ask for five years of experience, but you think <laughs> I'm going to reject someone who, who has everything except they have three years of experience? No, I want to talk to that person. I think the next thing, next bit of recommendation I would say is show some initiative, some self-initiative to, um, you, you pretty much need a website portfolio these days to kind of get past that first threshold. And I know that's a big bar to get over, but honestly, all it takes is one project, maybe two. They can just be totally hypothetical projects. Um, but take the initiative to, to you know, invent a project that you would fully design and deconstruct and show how you would think and design. That's what I'm looking for as a manager. Um, yeah, but, you know, there's a big difference to someone who says that they'll get they really want to get around to making an online portfolio and someone who has done the work and delivered on it even if it's student-based work and it's not at a bunch of different client work i really want to know how you think and how you design and you should be able to convey that in on a website you know it doesn't have to be 18 million pages my own personal portfolio site is a single web page because i didn't want to have to deal with information architecture and most people don't want to have to figure out how to get around the website so that was a decision um, don't don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't feel like you need 10 pages before you would launch the website. Mm -hmm. Start, what could you produce in a single page? How could you show your- This is, this is where the, uh, they, they also say about the web, web uh, in its early stages, the shift is better than perfect. Totally, totally, yes, yes. That's why like Steve Jobs used to talk about um, like shipping something is a very important deal, right? So if like, even for the, some of the teams that I'm on, a lot of times we've done a lot of discovery work. We started building something until it's actually released. We have produced pretty much zero value to that business. When it's shipped, now we have users to be able to interact and benefit from the system. But that is a lot of investment with no return on your investment until it's shipped. Sure. So be able to make compromises and trade-offs and be willing to be humble as a designer to be more likely to, to, to ship something. Um, don't be too indulgent with your design priorities. I, I I like to start there, but if a lot of times you need to make a compromise because what's most beautiful or user-friendly 
is oftentimes much more complicated to build and maybe not worth it at this point in time. Um, so yeah, like ship the good enough and then enhance once you've actually successfully shipped something. That's a little bit for people who are already in the industry, but <laughs> yeah. So great advice. And Kevin, I believe the, you know, even the time that we had is now short and this is going to be one of the <laughs> longest episode, even after the other, <laughs> that is going to be, but trust me, the conversation is not over yet. I would like to have you back maybe next season so that we can talk more. And this was a blast talking to you. This is the second time that we just, you know, started off the bat and the conversation just took its own life. Um, not <laughs> took it on us. It's wow. You know what I mean? It just came alive. And just yeah, we can keep talking. Yeah, honestly, life. like I won't even have to wait for a podcast. I would love to just like chit chat with you in between. So, <laughs> all right. To all the listeners, this was Kevin from Single Stone. Was very gracious to join in. And anybody who is in the industry uh, would realize that this sort of banter is everybody just dies to you know have when you're meeting the like-minded people in the industry. And this is where the conversation and the industry comes alive. So from the design community, make sure that you're contributing enough, you're mentoring enough, you're teaching enough, you're evangelizing what we are doing. And that that is the idea to just of this podcast to make sure that all the like-minded people can come together and share the experiences, their journeys, how the path they have taken and where everything is headed to. So thank you very much for connecting with us today. And thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. It was a joy. This is great. Thank you. And we'll get back next week with another episode, hoping that it is going to be as sparkly as this one was. <laughs> uh, talk to you guys later and have a nice day ahead. Bye.